Thank you, Tyler. This past week, uh, uh, Sue and I have had our sixth grandchild be born. I know I don't look that old, do I? Yeah. This is the third of uh, three grandchildren being born in the last six months. It's been a busy year. January 1st, my uh, son Nick here, you'll see a picture come on up, and his wife Lauren gave birth to their first child, Autumn. She loves to smile. She doesn't stop smiling. On March 15th, my son Chris and his wife Laura gave birth to their son Louis, or actually a third son Louis, I should say. And he frowns all the time. I think after uh, three months, she, got his, she finally was able to get him to smile for the first time. It was good. And, that. and then uh, my daughter Stephanie and her husband Jason gave birth to their second daughter, Clara. And uh, that. Immediately after the service, uh, I'm out of here. And uh, in fact, let's just close in prayer because I want to go see my granddaughter. <laughs> I'm heading to Ohio so that I can hold my granddaughter for the first time. Um, I took Sue down last week on Thursday night, a week ago, and uh, she's been there all week. I didn't get to see the little one come home but she, in that, so I had to come back and, and all that good stuff. So I'm going to head on down. I'm, uh, I'm going to go hold my granddaughter for the first time, and I'm going to try to convince Grandma Sue to come home. <laughs> it's going to be difficult. You guys be praying for me, okay? It's going to be difficult. You know, it's been a busy six months with family, and, uh, and I tell you, we have loved it. We have loved it. You know, I look at those pictures of my son and son-in-law holding their child for uh, the first time, and I tell you, it's reminded me of when I held my sons and daughter for the first times. Dad, do you remember that first time? Do you remember that first time? That little one's placed in your arms and, and uh, all the many thoughts that kind of flow through your, your mind at that moment. And one of those first thoughts is, oh no, what have I done? Or uh, here we go. Life has just changed. Wow. Wow. And then the second one comes to go, oh, here we go again. <laughs> and then the third one, oh, no, we're doing this all over. And again, depending on how many children you've had, one more time, here we go. There's that thought, also, I am responsible. It really hits you when you hold that little one in your arms. It's like, whoa, I have a whole new level of responsibility then comes the thoughts about this little one as you look into their eyes and, and you, you begin to ask, what's this little one's personality going to be? You know, what's it going to be like? And, you know, what kind of things will they do? And how will they act? And all these things that rush through their mind. What will they grow up and, and do or accomplish? And, what will they become in, in the life? And then there's that one of reflection that you come and, and you, you begin to ask, God, God, will you help me? Help me. Help me to, 
to be a godly father to this, this little one. And then there's that question sometimes you ask. <clears throat> well, what I do as a father, will it really matter? Will it really matter? You know, for years, for many years in our culture, uh, they have asked that question. They have, in fact, they have questioned the value of fathers. They have asked that question over and over. Can do fathers really matter? And, and we see this. We see this question in the media. We see it in higher education. We see it uh, on TV constantly. It's being asked in in Hollywood and and in television shows today. Uh, it seems that fathers are picked on, and their roles they are made to look like well bumbling drinking beer drinking idiots and who just live for the next beer and um, it's that 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 let's just survive our day at work so we can get at, get home and do what we want kind of attitude and they portray fathers that way more often than not and so and so the question comes the question comes over and over again, do fathers matter? And some of our culture would say no. They would say no. In fact, they press that idea over and over again. But here's the thing. Before we even get into the word of God, you know, the research doesn't indicate that. That's not what the research says. In fact, Dr. David Popino, professor of sociology at Rutgers University and he's co-director of of the National Marriage Project. He provides some real insight into this, and this is what he has to say. He says, fathers are for far more than just second adults in the home. Involved fathers, and I think that's a key phrase. We're going to be talking about that. Involved fathers, especially biological fathers, bring positive benefits to their children that no other person is as likely to bring. They provide protection and economic support, a male role models. They have a parenting style, and I think this is the thing, a key thing to grab onto. They have a parenting style that is significantly different than that from a mother. And that difference is important in a healthy child development. I found this research at uh, Focus on the Family, and you can go there and find the same research and, and, and insight. And one of the things they concluded, and I thought was was again, I want to reemphasize this is one of the most vital, vital aspects of a dad's contribution to the lives of his kids lies precisely in what Dr. Uh, Popino calls his significantly different parenting style. Men and women are different. God's created it that way. And as a result, though, mothers and fathers parent their children differently. <clears throat> and that difference is important in the development of a child, both male and female. Somebody asks, you know, well, <clears throat> what's, what's the evidence? Well, there's so much evidence out there. And I, let me just highlight some of, some of the evidence I got uh, that I found. It's, th th there's a, a, a research that has gone on, on on the impact of fathers, the impact of mothers. But it says 82% of studies on father involvement and child well-being, published since 1980, found significant associations between positive father involvement and offspring well 
being. Another analysis of over 100 studies on parent-child relationship, it was found that having a loving and nurturing father was important for a child's happiness, well-being, and social and academic success as having a loving and nurturing mother. According to a uh, child psychologist, Kyle Pruitt, a father's more active play style, comparatively slower response to a toddler or an infant experiencing frustration served to promote problem-solving competencies and independence for the, uh, uh, in the child. In fact, uh, Dr. Prude, he says positive father care is associated with more pro-social, positive moral behavior in boys and girls. And this is born out of research from a, a, the University of Pennsylvania, which indicates that children feel a close, who feel a closeness and warmth with their father are twice as likely to enter college, 75% less likely to have a child in their teen years, 80% less likely to be incarcerated, and half as likely to show various signs of depression. The, the statistics go on and on and on. The research is there. Here's one, though, for you. What's, what's even more significant to me is that dads who are most likely to be close to their children and to positively influence their lives are dads who attend church. Now, I know that's a little self-serving, right? But it's true. Ones that uh, attend church and live out their faith. In fact, church attendance is one of the most important, powerful predictors of a father's positive influence or involvement with a, with a child. And here's the thing I want, to, is, I want to leave with you. Fathers matter when fathers are involved. Let's drive that home. Fathers matter when fathers are involved. You know, I, I, I wonder at times, though, why is the culture so resistant to this? Why is it that the culture wants to challenge this influence and, and, and not embrace this important vital part in children's lives? And, and I, I begin to ask, is it, is it because there's a tendency on our parts as men and as fathers to be consumed with jobs, careers, uh, success, toys to be played with, and the pursuit of our own desires, rather than embracing the self-sacrifice and importance of the responsibility we have as, as fathers. And so there's that tension that's always there, right, of our natural desires and pursuit of life that we have. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think whether you believe it or not, when you become a father, you step into one of the most, what I believe is the greatest God-given responsibility of life. Becoming a father changes your life forever. This is the reality, and I believe the great re opportunity of being a father. You are given the greatest opportunity, responsibility that a man can have in life. The influencing of the next generation and how they will live life. Now, this is the way God's designed it. He's designed this, this aspect of the family. It's a vital how he's created it. And in fact, Paul, 
Paul, he uses the picture of a, of a father when he writes to the, the church in Thessalonica in the book of Thessalonians. And I invite you to open up your copy of the Word of God or your device and turn to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Chapter 2. We're going to look in there just at three verses, 10, 11, and 12. But when Paul writes to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians, he uses a description of what he defines as a godly father to describe how he has treated them. Uh, Paul was writing to them to encourage them. Now, we went through this book when we went through our coming soon series, and ultimately part of the whole theme working is, is that, hey, be faithful, walk in faithfulness, because Christ is coming back. But in the midst of that, there's, there's some truths to draw out. I want to draw this out of chapter 2 here. And Paul's writing them to encourage them in their faith, to defend the gospel because of the false charges that were being made against him, and to correct them also in some areas where they had become lazy in their walk with Jesus. And so here in chapter 2, uh, he, he reminds them of how he lived before them when he, when he first came. Look at what he says in chapter 2, First Thessalonians, verse 10. He goes, you are my witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Now, he describes this relationship he had with them in the descriptive words of, of a father, a, a concept that they definitely should understand. In fact, what would be a good father. And Paul's saying, hey, I lived life with you as a godly father, and now I'm writing you as a godly father to speak into your life from a distance. And so, you know, what's, what's interesting, immediately you've got to draw this application out, is that in this passage we see Paul, he understood what a godly uh, father was, and it's a father who matters because he is a father who is involved. Now let's dig this out. And, and the first truth you've got to grab a hold of is that you never stop being a father. Now, I've moved into this stage of grandfather, and it's been a learning experience for me. You know, it's been, uh, it's been six, six, eight years, my kids have been out of the home, and and soon I like it. We like empty nesting. But it doesn't mean I stop being a father. I have a new relationship. And, uh, and I think Grandma Sue will come home. She's ready to come home. But see, you know, here's the thing. You know, you never stop being a father. You, it's just that your influence comes in different ways now. And for those who, you may be empty nesters, and you understand this. But now I add in this whole dynamic of being a grandfather. And I'm not parenting this child. My kids are parenting this child. So they better figure it out, right, you know, and, and all this kind of stuff. But there's that, re, there's that reality, right? And, you're, and you gotta, you got to think, oh, wow, how do I now support them in, in what they do? But you never stop being a father. See, Paul never stopped speaking into the lives uh, of people in the churches he started. 
And so it is with the Father. We never stop speaking to the lives of our kids. We just do it in different ways. And we have to have discernment, great discernment in how to, to do that. But out of these verses, we can, we can see how a godly father who matters is to be involved in his children's lives. And so the first thing we see, a godly father who matters, first, lives life with godly character. Look back again at verse 10. He says, you are my witnesses. You are witnesses. And so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believe. He lays this foundation of how he's lived out his life in a fatherly way. And so you have these words, holy, righteous, blameless. Immediately, he, he, he says, hey, this is what I've been striving to live out before you. And holy means to be set apart. And so he says, hey, I've been striving to live set apart to God, that my life is committed to following after God and being a part of his work. And then there comes this idea of righteous, which means that they had character, all right? And they, they, they pursued God's righteousness being lived out of their life. Not a self-righteousness. That's a whole different thing. That's not a healthy thing. That's a prideful thing. But it's God's righteousness being, where we submit and surrender to his ways and being lived out in his life. It's, it's not perfection, but it's direction, all right? I'm directing, Christ is where I'm looking to, he, the cross is who I'm looking to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue his righteousness in my life. And then he uses this word blameless, literally transplanted, it's not, means not, be a, not able to find fault. And so, you know, one of the meaner things, well, you start to think, you think, wow, hold on a second, Mark, does that mean i got to be perfect? Oh, no, 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 no. It's obvious. None of us are perfect. Come on, we heard these guys up here with these bad jokes. They're not perfect. Right? Not a single one. This guy right here is not perfect. He's messed up a lot. And I would say also, Paul was not perfect, even though he was the Apostle Paul. All right? So then, this does not mean that they lived, uh, they were perfect in their, in their lives. Absolutely not. And so, you know, I'm, I'm sure there were, there were, as he discipled these new believers in this church and as he built into their life, I'm sure he made mistakes. He was human. I'm sure there were conflicts. There were challenges that went on, that they didn't do, do things perfectly. But the point of living holy, righteous, and blameless is that we, they live, as they live life before them, they strive to do it authentically. This is what they were pursuing in their life. And so when they messed up or they sinned, they confessed it. They took responsibility. And if they needed to make right with the one that they wronged, they made right because they were living out the truth and its transformative power. And so that means that that would ha happen in their own lives. And so it's that living, living life blameless. It's, it's, it's that keeping short accounts. Have you ever blown up at your kids? Don't raise your hand. I have, and I'm not proud of it. There's, my kids may be listening online right now, and, and uh, they go, oh, yeah. Dad, dad can have an anger issue periodically. You know, I remember the time when I uh, got mad and frustrated at my six or seven-year-old daughter, think about that, six or seven years old, 
you know, we had just, it was, I think it was a birthday time or something, and we had bought this kite for the kids, and we're going to fly kites, you know, and I was out there in the yard, I was trying to teach her, you got, come on, Stephanie, let me show you how you do this. And she, I taught my daughter how to be independent, needless to say, she learned it quite well. have an independent mind. And so she, she said, no, Dad. Even as a six or seven-year-old, she was saying, no, Dad. I want to do it myself. And I, you know, I was getting, no, let me show you. I'm the dad. I, let me be the dad. You know, no, Dad. I want to do it myself. No, let me do that. And needless to say, I blow up. You know, I stomp off. But while my wife is watching through the picture window, this all going down. And I'm, st- I'm so, uh, something triggered. You ever have a kid trigger you, man? Don't raise your hand. And, man, I was triggered. I, it was like a six-year-old triggered me. I got problems. And so I'm stomping back into the house, you know, and I'm going in there. And, it's, and uh, my wife, she meets me at the back door. She says, hi, sweetheart. How's it going? Oh, kid, I tell you, she just, and I walk downstairs, and, and I'm in the basement, and I'm just, I'm just, I don't know, I'm, you, you ever, you know, I got, I got to get to the lowest place in the house and just be by myself, and, you know, and I'm just, I'm just angry, and all of a sudden, there was something, because, you know, I've strived to live and walk in holiness and righteousness and blameless, and the Spirit of God spoke into my heart like I've never experience the Spirit of God. I still remember it today. My daughter has clueless about that event in her life. But I remember it. Because God spoke into my heart. Now, he probably didn't use these words, but it came across like, you jerk. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're being a real jerk right now, Mark. No, no, he, he didn't. He's loving, he's gracious, and he just convicted, and the conviction that came upon my soul, it was like, Mark, you are wrong in this. You are being wrong in this. And I knew what I had to do. Yeah, amen. And I had to walk back up those stairs, and I had to walk out to my six- or seven-year-old daughter, and, and I had to uh, do what was right. I had to be blameless and pursue blameless in my life. And, and so... Uh, I had to live out godly character before my child because the conviction of the Spirit. And I listened to the Spirit. You know, a father who listens to the Spirit is so important when he's doing a work in your life. And I had to walk out that door, walk up to my daughter and say, Stephanie, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Humbling. But so important. So important. And, of course, the six-year-old goes, oh, it's okay, Dad. No big deal. But it was important because it taught her forgiveness, but it worked in my heart and took me to another level. So a godly father who matters lives life with godly character. There's a second thing, though, here. Encourages his kids. Encourages kids. For It says, for you know that he, we dealt with you there in verse 11, with, with each of you as a father deals with his own children, Encouraging, just simply this word encouraging. The word encourage means to come alongside someone who is struggling, help them out. It's the, it has the idea of seeing a runner begin to stumble, and you're in that race with them. And we are. We're in the race with our kids. 
and it's seeing that runner stumble, and you slow down, and you give a, a shoulder, and you, you walk to the finish line together instead of simply letting them fall. You, you, you step in and come alongside them. It's, see, it's the dad who sees the struggle. He gets his eyes off of himself, and he, and he studies, and he learns his kids, and he understands what, what's going on in their life, and, and, and understands that it's the dad who sees the struggle, who sees the challenge, who sees the discouragement in his kids, and looks to speak the right words, or give a hug, or to just simply listen with no advice sometimes. And help them get back into it. Our kids need to hear you say, you can do it. I know you can. It's time to get back in the game. Here are three things you need to tell your kids, dads. First of all, I love you, and I'm proud to be your dad. Secondly, God loves you and wants his best for your life. You need to trust them. This is where, and I tell you, you need to teach your kids from a young age that they need to be forgiven of their sins and come to faith in Jesus Christ. That they need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But when they do come to faith, they remember, always remind them that God loves them. God loves them and wants his best in their life. Trust them, trust them. Then thirdly, I think what's in so important for fathers especially is to teach their kids that there is an enemy there's an enemy for their soul. You know, we protect them. We look to protect them physically. We need to look to protect them spiritually. And there's an enemy. There's an enemy in this world. And he, he, wants, he wants you to fail. And he wants you to turn against God. But I want you to know this. Greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. Right? And so a godly father who matters lives life with godly character and secondly encourages his kids. But then there comes this next word, and you'll see it again in verse 12. And the, th the, th the third thing that we see is he comforts his children. He says, for you know what he dealt with you, how he dealt with you, each of you as a father deals with his own ch children, encouraging but now comforting. You know, Warren Wiersbe, a great Bible scholar I, I highly regard and uh, when he explains the meaning of this word, he says this word carries the same idea of encouragement that we just talked about with the emphasis, though, on activity. Paul not only made them feel better, but he made them want to do better. And so good fathers, fathers who matter, learns how to cheer their kids on to victory. When our kids are are doing okay, they need encouragement. But when our kids are falling apart, they need comfort. They need comfort. And in both instances, kids need a father who comes close to them and says, all right, let's, let's press on. And you'll have those, those moments in your life and where you, it's going to be key that you step in with some real discernment and, and, and understanding and be able to step into your kid's life. I remember that when my, my oldest son came home from college, graduated from college, and he lived in our home for a year. He had, he, man, I had to cheer him on to victory to the next stage in his life. And so as he lived with us that year, it was a, a year of, okay, Chris, what's God saying into your life? 
How can I encourage you on? And, and, and what's the next step? And God spoke into his life, led him into this next stage of life. So vital, important that we, we, we come along and comfort our children. So a godly father who matters, lives life with godly character, encourages his kids, comforts his children. But lastly, the fourth thing we see here is that he urges his children to live for God. Look again there at verse 12. Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. The word urging means to beg earnestly. It wasn't what I originally was thinking. <laughs> but as you dig deep into that word, it's, it's almost like this anguish appeal from one who is a witness. And see, here, here's the understanding I think we need to grab a hold of. Our kids need dads who will give test, testimony of what is right. Hey, this is right. This is what I've seen God do in my life. And I, I urge you, I urge you to follow after God. And who will challenge them to go to that next level, to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And so, so yeah, godly, godly fathers, fathers who matter, they provide correction, but they do it in a spirit of comfort and encouragement. And here's the thing. The goal is to have each child live worthy of God. To be sold, ultimately sold out to Christ. Not lukewarm or half-hearted. Now, it's important to note that these three words... Encouraging, comforting, and urging, they are in the present tense active. It's a, it's a language thing. But here's the point. It means they are to be continually practiced. And so he saw this as a, as a father, a godly father, who continually practiced these things. He was continually looking to encourage, continually looking to comfort, continuing looking to urge them on. And so fathers matter when fathers are involved by living one's life with godly character, encouraging his kids to press on, and comforting his children not to give up, and urging his children to live for God. Here's the thing. Fathers are so important to guiding their families to live life for God's glory. Dad, we have one of the greatest, the greatest responsibilities and also the greatest opportunities to impact this next generation for God's glory. You know, I thank God for the father I had. I have, I should say. Uh, he's, a, he's a father who strived to live out holiness and, and righteousness and blamelessness. And when he messed up, he got right back with God and walking with God. And as a result, 
has been a, a great example to me in my life. And I'm so thankful for that example of a father who kept pursuing, got back up, kept walking. Here's the thing. Um, I want to encourage you, those today, you may be struggling in this area. And maybe you're struggling with the father you had. I want you to know, God says, I'm here. I'm here to be your good father. And I will walk through life with you. And I will give you encouragement and hope. But I also have other people in the family of God, the church, who wants to come alongside you and encourage you in the faith too. And maybe today you need to, you need to refocus and step back. And, and if you will trust him and you will trust the family of God, you will see God speak into your life and become that good, good, good father. Um, maybe today uh, you're struggling with how you've been a father. I know I, I, I now have time to reflect on my fatherhood. That's a dangerous thing sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, the thing I, I come to conclude is that, yeah, there's no father who's perfect. And maybe I've done some things that are wrong, but I can continue to pursue to be that godly father. See, what do we do with those struggles? What do we do maybe even what, with what we would call failures in life? What do we do with that? Well, I think God is so clear. We get back up. We get back up. We choose to get back up and start living authentic Christian lives now. If there's things that we need to make right, we go make right. Make right. And then by faith, we live life worthy of the calling we have in Christ now. And we pursue that. See, here's the thing. You redeem the past. That's what Jesus Christ is all about. Right? You redeem the past by living life worthy of the call in the present. You let him transform. You redeem it. And you, you step into it. And see God do greater things. Fathers matter when fathers are involved. Imagine with me. The band's going to come and they're going to close this out with a final song. So I invite you to come up. But imagine with me. Just a moment here. What if, what if we saw more and more fathers in, in our community begin to see the fathers in this church? Man, doing even more to pour into the life of their children, and pour into the life of their grandchildren, pour into the, the youth of this church, and begin to pour and pour and pour and, and pour their lives. What if, if fathers in this community begin to see fathers, and they begin to see Children start to, the kids who come to this church get changed. And kids start, man, seeing transformation in their life. What if this community began to see that transformation in the life of this church? Would they, would they, would they see the children, the change in the schools? Would they see the, how kids respond to their fathers and honor them? Would they want that for themselves and begin to seek that, this church out as a result? To become a part of a family so that they can have impact on their kids for good.
Oh, what happened? Powerful again. Right now, I want, if you're a father, I want you to remain seated. Would you remain seated? Everybody else, would you stand up? And maybe if you're at home and you're watching online, I, fathers, you remain seated. Everybody else, stand up. And if you feel, if you're part of your family, I, I just encourage you, sons and, and wives and daughters, and, and that put, put your hand on, on your father there. And if there's not someone there, just put a hand on someone's shoulder if they feel comfortable with that. Let's pray over him, okay? God, we thank you for our fathers. We thank you, God, that you give us guidance in, our, in the word of God that transforms and renews and makes us into men who, who, who Lord, can lead well and, and who can, uh, Lord, reflect your character and who you are. And, God, I just want to pray over our fathers today and as each one here prays silently that they would pray over that father in their life or that father that's sitting in front of them. Lord, empower us. Empower us to be people, men who live holy, righteous, and blameless. Be people who are encouraging and comforting and urging this next generation, Lord, to follow after you, I pray. I ask this in the name of Jesus.